is episode 22, Creating an Online Course Creation Business with Scott Patton. Hello, and welcome to the eCourse Domination Podcast, where we deep dive into all aspects of online course creation, from concept to marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Tim Cooper, and it's a pleasure to have you with me today. Hello and welcome. It's Tim Cooper back again with another discussion on online course creation and marketing. And today's episode is a really special episode because it is my very, very first video podcast. I got my guest on, Scott Patton, and we went on to Blab and we recorded a video podcast. So also in the show notes, you'll be able to get a link to actually go and watch the video. I'm very, very excited about this. Today, I've got Scott on because not only has Scott been teaching blogging and podcasting for over 10 years, he has also got a number of courses on Udemy where he has co-produced with other instructors. And so when you look at this, when you look at ways that you can actually broaden your horizons and increase course sales by going into topics that you may not necessarily be an expert in, but you can bring expertise into the creation of the course. So if there is somebody who would like to create a course, but doesn't have the technical expertise or is a little bit concerned about how they're going to create the course or market it or whatever else, you have the ability to partner with them. They can share their expertise on their subject matter. You can share your expertise on the production and marketing side. Now, before we get into the actual interview, I just wanted to say that this was my first lab session. I was using a MacBook, which I've never used before, so I didn't have my good Rode studio microphone hooked up. I was just using some earbuds in that microphone, so unfortunately, my audio isn't wonderful, but Scott was using a good quality mic, so his audio is, is beautiful. I have since worked out how to use my Rode studio microphone in the Blab, so all my future uh, Blab sessions and interviews will be recorded on a nice mic. But let's just jump over now to the actual interview. Welcome to episode 22 of the eCourse Domination podcast and the very, very first video interview that I have performed for this podcast. I'm very, very excited to have, um, and I'm going to have to let Scott introduce himself because he's got an amazing title, but I've got Scott <laughs> Patton with me. He is a prolific online course creator. He's got many, many courses. He co-creates courses, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is partnering up with other people, why you should do it, uh, what you should consider when you're doing it, and other problems that you may encounter along the way. So with that being said, Scott, I'm going to hand over to you to introduce yourself with your amazing title and just give people some background from those of us who don't know you that well. Can you just give a little bit of a background about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, let me say, Tim, I'm just delighted to be on here with you. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm really excited what the next hour or so is going to, going to bring. So I'm Scott Patton. I'm the Dean of Blogonomics and Podology, and I've been teaching people how to podcast and really blog for over, well, pretty much 10 years. And um, podcasting officially as a word, I think in 2004, uh, it showed up in 2005, the spring of 2005, I had my first podcast up. 
And I'd like to say, you know, I was just cutting edge and really wanted to, you know, get into this new thing called podcasting. The truth of the matter is, is it was the last thing I wanted to have anything to do with. Uh, I was working for the Internet Marketing Center. I managed a group of 25 mentors and coaches. And uh, at the time, the company was doing $28 million and they had 150 employees. So it was just booming and and it was just going great. And and I spent three months trying to figure out how to blog. And I'd get online and I'd do all my searches and I'd find all these articles. And they all said the same thing. Blogging is really easy. All you have to do is, and the whole rest of the article might as well have been in Japanese because I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And I was very, very frustrated. And finally, uh, just before Christmas, I broke the code. And I thought, ah, I now know how to make a post on a podcast. And if what I'm hearing is right, this is 2004. If I um, if I put a page up on my site and then I blog about it, my site will probably shoot to the top or that page. And the page didn't exist before. So I went and I uh, I followed that and as soon as I pushed the publish button or the, the post, I went on a 10-day cruise and I never checked the internet. So I don't know if it was day one, day two, day nine, day 10. All I know is I got back to work and there my two pages for two different keywords were number one. And this totally revolutionized how we taught internet marketing because we were saying, oh, take three months, take six months, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And here it was a brand new page, number one in Google in 10 days or less. So I printed the two pages out, ran to my boss's office, showed him the paper, and he went, oh, yeah, good, Scott, thanks. I was devastated. What I didn't know was he didn't believe me. He thought I had Photoshopped my my result to the top. And as soon as I left, he got on, he goes, oh, that's right. It wasn't until we had a beer three together three months later that he told me that story, right? And... Uh, that would have been the end of it. I would have been known as the dean of blogonomics for the rest of my life, except that, unfortunately, the president died. He was 35 years old, he just finished a $5 million house in San Diego, been married two years. He liked Ferraris. He belonged to a Ferrari club. They rented a race course. And unfortunately, he ran into a wall, died instantaneously. It was awful. And um, the company thought they were so closely known like his name was the company as far as everyone was concerned they thought if he's gone they're going to think the company's gone we know need to do got to do something so they decided to do boot camps and they went to england and they went to sydney australia and they went to new york and la and orlando and atlanta and they went all you know vancouver toronto all over the place putting on three-day boot camps and they had had somebody that they were going to ask to do uh the saturday night part basically the the new president was going to do all day Saturday, all day Sunday, but Saturday night they wanted somebody else. And I happened to have given a small presentation to my group and they liked what I, the way I did it. And they said, you know what? You do the Saturday night two hours. And I thought two hours on blogging is, you know, basically they get there at seven in the morning. They listen to this guy who's not really that exciting for nine hours. Then they have a huge dinner and then they come back at eight o'clock at night, and what are they going to do? Fall asleep. So I thought, I can't talk about blogging for two hours. And the weird thing about this whole thing is that they didn't talk. You would think if you were going to take some guy that you, you know, was sort of this coworker in the other cubicle, you would talk to him about what he's going to talk about. 
No, they had no idea what I was going to say. And I never occurred to me to go to them and say, you know what, I think I should do this. I just did it, right? Fortunately, it worked, or I probably would have been, you know, dumped in Sydney, Australia, never seen, you know, in the outback, never seen again. And uh, I thought, well, I need to do something else. So what? And I'd heard about podcasting. I thought, ah, it took me three months to learn blogging. Is it going to take me three months to learn podcasting? So I opened up some article found, you do this, you do this, you do this. So I did that, I did that, I did that. And the next thing you know, I'm downloading a podcast onto my computer that I just uploaded two minutes earlier. I was like, well, that was easy, right? Why is this blogging? Why was it so hard? I don't know. You know, like once you crack it, it's just like, oh, that's easy. But until you do, it can be really, really frustrating. So I did an hour on blogging, an hour on podcasting. And that's kind of how I made my name as the Dean of Blogonomics and Podology. Awesome. That's fantastic news. And, and um, just, just, just to let people know how this lab is going to run, we're just going to do a straight interview style for the actual podcast side of things. But please feel free to enter a question into the sidebar there. So if you put in a, a slash Q and then what, what you want to ask, and then we can obviously take that as, as long as it's in, on topic, then we will include that into the questions that we're going to ask Scott. At the end, depending on time, I will open up a seat if somebody wants to then pop in and we can just have a have a general discussion. But just to keep things a little bit orderly and that we can, so we can get through some, some material, we'll just do this interview style. Unlike when Mark and I, hi, Mark, uh, did ours and we unwittingly added some people, I unwittingly added some people who took over our blab, which we loved because it was great information. But uh, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, and yeah. we've got some great people joining us who I think would, I'd love to hear with their opinions too. So awesome. well, absolutely. I, I, I see Bob Marks in the, in, in the audience. And uh, once again, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bob. So, so hi, Bob, yeah. you got me going with, uh, you, you, you transformed the way that I do promotional videos and also the way I, I create my slide decks for my, for my courses. So you've had a major impact in my course creation. So welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure to have you here on the podcast. Um, and obviously Mark Timberlake, once again, he's transformed the way that I do, uh, social media marketing. So there's some, there's some, there's some top names here. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Joe and hi, Ryan. Glad to have you aboard. Yes. Hi, Ryan and, uh, and Joe as well. And once again, if you want to, if you want to share on the, on the left hand side, you can tell a little bird that we're on air. And if you want to send us some, some props, because they used to be called fields, but maybe there was some legal implication about if you feel felt up the wrong person. So they changed the name to props. Um, that would be lovely as well. Okay. Let's, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of, of why we've got you here. How many Udemy courses do you have? <laughs> it's around the 12 to 15 range i have two courses that are in the review stage right now um and then i have two courses that i'm just finishing up so i i think i have 12 or 14 that are live and i have two more that hopefully by the end of the week will be live and and then i have um, two or three or four that are in the process, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Cool. And out of that, there's there's actually a number 
outside of the, like the podcasting stuff that you've done and, and and stay to the end folks because right at the end we are going to give some some coupons for some some special special pricing and and sort of stuff both of us will uh, will give some some cheap courses away <laughs> some expensive courses away for cheap that's right correct some 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 extremely expensive and, and, and worthwhile courses away at a bargain price because uh, that's the way that udemy works but anyway so but a number of those courses you've actually co-produced with, with with other people and this is something that i am now looking at at going into as well is because is, i've had a number of people come to me saying i'd love to to do an online course but look i've either got no time no technology no patience i've got a horrible voice i've got a face for radio so do i but that doesn't stop me but the so there's a there's definitely a market there to help people get their knowledge and expertise out into a course framework for them and and share the cost so that's what we want to sort of talk about in this in this interview there must be a lot of things that you have to consider before you go down this this path as far as profit split roles and responsibility legalities like what happens if they just one day say I don't want to be a partner with you anymore and I want a hundred percent. So Scott, where let's 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 look at the the steps, step one, step two, step three, step four, as to how you establish yourself into this this area of co-creating courses and all that that involves. Well Jonathan Levy was on a hangout with Mark and I and a few other people and he's very uh, lawyer-oriented and very technical-oriented and a total control freak. And that's not me saying it. That's I'm quoting him. And so he has all of what you said, like, figured out. My understanding of American copyright law is the person that actually produces, not necessarily the person that's on, actually owns the copyright. And so you have to be really careful when you're using um, freelancers or outsourcers to do things like edit your video because actually they own it. <laughs> well, mm. okay. But I think there's a thing it's, and I see, and I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my word for this is all total rumor. But um, uh, the way I look at it is if, if I control the Udemy account, I control the, the courses. And I'm not a, that lawyery type of person. And maybe if I did a course with somebody and we were making a hundred grand off of the course, we would sit down and probably figure, we would have to sit down and figure out something because what happens if one of us dies? Does mm. it, is that part of my estate, part of their estate? How does that all work? Right. And, um, but I don't do any of that. Uh, what happened with me was I, I went and I consulted with the app developer who made like the Starbucks app and about because they want to do some podcasting. So I went and Earl was the marketing manager, asked me to come in, talk to his team. And I did for two hours. And at the end of it, Earl is a very, very exciting guy and he's very excited and it's just infectious and I should have known better. But he said, Scott, you need to do a video course on podcasting. And I had a book and I had other stuff, but not a video course. So I said, all right, I'll do that. And then I started looking into Udemy. Now, when you look at Udemy the first time and you have no clue how it works, 
it looks like a huge gold mine. So I looked and there was like this guy did a podcast and he had like 2,300 students and they paid 77 bucks. So 2,300 bucks. Holy smokes, you know? And then, so I didn't know any better. So I had some clients that I've been working with for 10 years with an ex-girlfriend. And I started telling them like, I found this Udemy thing and look at this. And I would show them, you know, a relationship course. And there was like 3,000 people and they paid 150 bucks. And we were like going, wow. So we all just sort of jumped in and started creating these courses because these were people that I knew I wanted if, the, if I was going to be successful with Udemy and I knew they were experts in their field and I had worked with them or been with them or I knew them really well, why wouldn't I share that? And I just said, you know what? I'll do all, all you have to do is show up. I'll videotape everything and we'll just split it 50, 50, nice and easy. And so that's, and then of course, so at that point I had like three or four people that want before my first course is even done three or four people that wanted courses on Udemy. And then I'm going, okay, if I'm going to do a, courses with other people on a platform I have no clue what I'm doing on and I have no clue how the system works and I have no clue about anything except, wow, 3,000 people, 77 bucks. I, I think that's pretty good. Um, I should figure it out. So the first thing I did was my own course so that I would go through all the trials and errors and the problems and, you know, what do you have to do to get reviews reviewed and approved and all that sort of stuff. And so that's what I did. And that was my power podcasting course. And I learned a ton. I did a, I made all of my state mistakes on my own so that I didn't have to sort of, because when you're working with another person, it's kind of like, well, Tim, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And mm-hmm. then, of course, mm-hmm. you don't check your email for four days and it's four days later and I'm going away for the weekend. And so next thing you know, it takes like a month for any sort of decision to be made. And so I just said, like, I'm just going to do it. So I did it, put up my course and then. I started taking, I figured if you're going to immerse yourself in something, you need to educate yourself. So I found as many Udemy courses on how to be successful on Udemy as I could. And I joined the Facebook groups that I could find. And then I quickly realized that they're the Walmart of, of video training. You know, this, the half those guys, if not more, were free and the rest were 10 bucks. And there was four people that paid $77. And that's kind of, the way it is. And when you get that $77 sale, it's like, yeah. And the next day when the fig- person figures out how the system is, asks for a refund and buys it for 10 bucks, it's like, oh, <laughs> we all go through that, right? So mm. once I had figured that out, I had to go back to them and say, listen, this is not just, you know, a whole bunch of people paying 77 bucks or $299 for a course. It's this is the way the process works. And then from there, it's like, do you want to continue or not want to continue? They all did because to me, there's more to Udemy or there's a lot more to Udemy than just putting out a course. If you want to put out one course um, and you think you're going to make enough money to live off of that course, it's possible, but highly unlikely, right? There's 15,000 instructors or whatever. I'm sure you could point to five or 10 or 20 or maybe even a hundred that just put one course up on some topic and had, you know, a nice monthly income coming in. But the majority of us, that's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. I think this is the thing too, that with, and that's why, as we mentioned in our other hangout just, just the other day about third party platforms and everything else, my my feeling with Udemy, look, I love Udemy. 
Um, I think I said it's it's a great it's a great platform. You'd be leaving money on the table if you didn't put your courses there. But what concerns me is that there are there are people out there who have got their hosting their own courses, making a lot of money. I saw something on Pat Flynn's blog not so long ago where somebody made over three hundred thousand dollars or something launching one course. But they go but they go through a whole um, like a, like a whole like there's no, there's no there's a pre-launch and there's this and there's that and obviously this guy he had a list and this came back to what you mentioned in that in that hangout about you know if you if you've got a list then you should be marketing to your own site and not not pushing them over to you Demi but so you so you've got these people making one course and 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 cleaning up and then you've got you Demi everybody where, else. Yeah, where where you where no you're making twelve courses, fifteen courses, twenty courses, and that just to me becomes a maintenance headache. Like you know, when you when when you're looking forward and and saying I've got to maintain these courses, and if, if things change, that's just no. I think we say with there, there there seems to be this. Oh well. Uh, Udemy's got eight million or seven million students, so we've just got to cop it and suck it if we want to be part of that. And yeah, if you want to be part of that, you do have to cop it and, and suck it. But I think you you do have to look at other ways. And, and quite frankly, what I'm looking at, what I've been thinking about since that that hangout, because that hangout got me got me thinking, is that I'm going to sort of put what we call minimum viable products up onto Udemy, so they're still going to be a good a good product but then i'm not going to keep on updating the udemy courses as much as my other uh, on my other site so some other sites is going to have a more robust a more complete um a more updated course than udemy and and there's other, and the other courses I'm, I'm introducing done for you services and and, and consulting and, and coaching that you can bundle on other sites that you can't bundle at, at udemy so I hear what you're saying. So, so, so to to get it to, to build up to a residual income to to be making money on Udemy, you've got to have multiple courses, and most of your money is going to well, probably not most. Like I'm getting more money from Udemy organic sales rather than cross promoting. But then I'm still slowly building my uh, my my stable of courses, so to speak. And I'm, I'm just sort of between two, two ways. I was in the, in the process of transcribing my last course into a Kindle book and going there, but I think I might put that on the back burner and just get my next course. I've got about four or five courses in the wing. So I might just do that. But so, yeah, so the thing is that if, if you're going to be creating a residual income on Udemy, you've got to have multiple courses and you've got to be prepared to be part of the affiliate programs and the promotions and everything else to have them hook you into their promotions. The, the only reason that you want to be on Udemy is because it's a marketplace. Mm. There's the there's seven million students, let's say, in around there. There could be half a million freeloaders. There could be fifty thousand freeloaders. I don't know. I mean, you put mm. a free coupon up on the Facebook. Uh, Udemy Studios thing, and you automatically get eight or nine hundred students that are free. 
and they're almost all from India or Pakistan, and you have that part that of it <laughs> looked, looked after, right? So, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that Udemy is a very, very good marketplace. Amazon is a very, very good marketplace. Fiverr mm. is a very, very good marketplace. If you don't need somebody to sell your product, you don't necessarily want to go to Udemy. Now, I, I wouldn't say you don't, but you really need to think about it. If you've got 100,000 people on your list and you can sell them a $50 course compared to a $10 course on Udemy, why would you do that, right? Mm, mm. You know, I have one of my clients has 30,000 people on his list. He's in alternative health. And we put a couple courses up on Udemy. And, and it's like, hmm, I haven't promoted or haven't done anything with his, with his courses like I have with other topic areas. And I've been sort of like wondering why. And then I think, you know, the reason why is he has 30,000 people on his list. Why would I do a mailing with him and his list to a course on Udemy where, you know, mm. they can turn around, get a refund and buy for 10 bucks or something like that. Right. Like mm. does it doesn't mm. make sense. The, the, the third parties that are out there are very integrated with Udemy in that they have a lot of push one button. They take the Udemy course you've made and they move it onto their platform. So we're looking at that. And one of the reasons just to get this out that we're looking at it is he has a product that's industrial hemp oil. It doesn't get you high or anything else like mm -hmm. that. And it's uh, has a lot of good stuff in it. But it's kind of in a bit of a gray area. And they're taking a lot of time to decide if they want to approve the course or not. So as they're dragging their feet, we're thinking about this and we're saying, you know, maybe this is the way to use Udemy. Put the course up on Udemy, do a one punch, take it over to some other place, put it up on his site and, and just promote it through his site. Now, having said that, would we never have any courses for him? Yes, we would. They would be like you had said, that I don't like to use the minimum requirements or anything else. We would put together a good one hour, like my strategy is a good one hour course that gets you know, onto the topic as task or project oriented as you can be. I saw mm -hmm. one instructor and, I, and listened to him and I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He does Ruby on Rails or something, right? And it's just like, yeah, I do one course, takes an hour to show you how to make a form. Takes an hour to show you how to do this. Takes an hour how to show. And he says, I got 30 of them. So what mm -hmm. happens is the Ruby on Rails guys, and it's not Ruby on Rails, but I'll use them because that's techie enough. They go, oh, man, I don't know how to make uh, like uh, that uh, thing that goes like this. Well, Joe's course does it. Oh, cool. 10 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. I'm doing it great. Now I know how to do it. Wow, saved me like weeks. Mm. So mm. that's the way I look at the courses, right? Like. If you've got a, like my podcasting course, now I'm I'm doing my own courses on podcasting and I'm doing with co-instructors and I'm looking for co-instructors that have very specific skill sets. One, for example, uh, coaches podcasting, po people that want to be podcasters. I don't and I don't want to, but I thought, oh, you know what? I should like not me, but somebody should for all these people. So I talked to him and we put a little lecture together, popped on my power podcasters. As I'm talking with them, I thought, you know what? You're really, I really like you. You're really good. You're very, you did another course on Udemy with some other guys. So probably you might not going to want to work with me because you're working with him. Turns out that was a bad experience. I didn't know. And I said, well, what I'd really like to do is, you know, how do you grow your podcasts? And he, the reason I got 
in touch with him is in Facebook. He put this little funnel together. And I thought, oh, that looks cool. And I just followed it. At the end, I had this PDF. And I thought, oh, this is great stuff. I really like what he's doing, right? He's my competition, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But we're doing totally different things. So he's not. So I got him in and I said, okay, it's it's an hour. Because I say an hour and nobody can shut up. So it's going to be an hour and a half. But they don't have to know that, right? Mm-hmm. We do an outline. So this is the process. Mm-hmm. What's the topic? In this case, it was how to grow your audience quickly and easily. But there's only one strategy we're talking about. There could be a whole bunch of strategies for growing your audience. We're only going to talk about one. And so that's what we did. And so here's the beginning. Here's the outline. Here's the first thing. Now here's what we talk about this, this. And we basically did a curriculum. He had in front of him. I had in front of me. He's in Moncton, New Brunswick, I think it is, or Nova Scotia. (laughs) It's in the Maritime. Basically, it's as far from me in Canada as you can get. And we did a hangout. And then we just... uh, and it took us two hours to do the hour and a half or hour, hour and a half worth of material. And he was done. So all he had to do was work on the outline and show up. I said, I'll do all the Udemy stuff because he wasn't interested in it and didn't care and didn't know how the other guy did it all for him. And he had no interest. Right. So then I took the video. I sent it to my video editor, who's a better video editor than me. And she chopped it all up. And then she uploaded it because we would say this is lecture two. Right. And then we would start. And so she would know that was lecture two and that was the end of lecture two. And then she would upload it. I would go make the descriptions, do the summary. And it was like approved immediately because I know the quality of audio and the quality of presentation and the quality of the course that Udemy and what they're looking for and the pictures and or the course images, all that sort of stuff. So he never had to figure out or worry about any of that stuff. My editor knew how to edit it. So he took an hour, hour and a half out of his time, maybe two hours because he put together the outline. I hosted it. We talked about it. I knew just as much as him, but we had this conversational thing going on and then it was done. So we made a few hundred bucks. It's been out a month and I talked to him and I said, you know, the strategy that I want with these individuals that I'm working with is a series. So what's the next one? And I talked to him. We agreed on it. We, he's putting out the outline now. We're going to start working on it. And his his comment to me that really struck me was, uh, you know, we made a couple hundred bucks each. But really, how much time did I spend? Like a couple hundred bucks a month for spending three hours one month. Like what's wrong with that, right? And I really think that Udemy is going to go from 7 million to 70 million. So mm-hmm. my goal is to be the dean of logonomics and pedology at Udemy, where you want to know something about podcasting, there are all these courses and nobody else is going to bother with any anybody else's course. Oh, they will, but they're going to mm-hmm. come back to mind because we we've got we've got the we not only have the width, we have the depth, right? Mm-hmm. And um so that's the that was the plan. I call it the irresistible offer. If someone says to you, hey, you're an expert on this field. I'm going to do a Google Hangout with you for like an hour, maybe twice. Uh, all you got to do is give me a little outline on this topic so that I can put together a curriculum. And then you approve the curriculum. And you can watch it afterwards to make sure that, you know, something isn't wrong that one of us said. Who would say no to that? And then it's mm. worth you know, two or three hundred bucks a month for the rest of your life, maybe. The um, this is one thing that I heard on another, then it was a podcast or a, or a course saying that if you are if you're partnering with somebody, Udemy 
won't just let you stick somebody in as a as a co-course creator unless there is actually proof that they contributed. Is that is that right? Do, do does you well, have to see you this way? There's no way you should do a course with somebody unless you're both contributing. Mm. Okay, so uh, there are people that have courses and they just say, "Hey, I want to take my course, put it on Udemy." Well, it's kind of hard for me to be 50-50 on that when it's, you know, obviously their course, right? Mm. So mm. <laughs> there and there are courses that I've done with someone where they're the person on the screen the whole time. But if you were to ask them, I'm I'm just as involved in the creation of the course as they are. They happen to be the expert and they happen to be the front person. But and that's true because in the process of creating the videos, I'm giving them constant feedback of how to improve and how to and plus I help them create the whole the whole outline in the course in and of itself. So I've never really had a problem with that. And mm. I think um I'm, I, I suppose what happens. I'm saying is say if somebody comes to you and they say I'm an expert in this field. I, I'll, I'll give you all the information, but I've got, I don't want anything other, any, anything else to do with it. I, I, I want you to prepare the presentation. I want you to present it for me. I will, I will, like, I'll write up, I'll write up the curriculum. I'll, over, I'll oversee it. I'll do everything else, but you no, know, I don't. I don't like the sound of my voice, or I don't like looking my face on camera, or I've got no like I've I've got the the graphic skills of a of an ant. So I want I want you to do all that for me, but I still want to take fifty percent. And and fair enough. Like if if they're they're giving you, I mean, you could negotiate the percentages, but that's not the issue here. The issue is doing it. I would say that one of the responsibilities of the instructors of a course is to answer student questions and support the students. So, you know, that would be that's a non-negotiable, right? If you're going to be doing the course, you have to do that. The next part of what you're talking about, I know quite a bit about Internet marketing and building websites. So my answer to somebody who is an Internet marketer building website type guy would be different than somebody who is um, a, a car mechanic wanting to do a car mechanic course or a salsa dancing course or a pottery course or something like that. Cause I don't know anything about it. So now I'm actually presenting myself as the expert in a field that I'm not an expert in. That's, I mean, I can talk about a lot of different topics and sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I can't, like I've tried pottery. They're really bad. <laughs> I've tried singing. Like it's really bad. So I'm not teaching singing and pottery, right? I think also if somebody is not willing to embrace the YouTube generation that we're in, which is everybody, Periscope and blabbing, we're all on video 100% of the time. Even, you know, in this drive down the street, there's cameras catching you going through red lights. Um, it's just, it's just, I just kind of give them a no. It's like we do this together arm in arm. There's too many potential problems. Like two years from now, he wants to go in an, or she wants to go in another direction. They want to take their stuff and they don't want it on Udemy. Well, I spent all that time, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say, well, you're going to continue getting your money. I'm going to continue getting my money unless you want to figure out five years worth and pay me out or something, which is not likely going to happen. Now you got lawsuits and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, thank you. And I think that's the other reason why you've got to, like, even though you might start out friends, Looks like a like a marriage. I've had a couple of those too. Like you, you, you might you might start out friends, 
but no, business is funny. Like I've, I've actually been in business with you no know, with with friends, and we've had to dissolve the business before our friendship dissolved. And I think so. That it's in, in, I think it's important that you get you get. It doesn't have to be like a, a twenty thousand dollar legal contract because I've had those in the past, and and, and the company still reneged on that. So yeah. legal contracts are only as good as the compliance of, of those involved. But I think, you know. You have to be really clear on the expectations and the roles and the goals. And to me, it's I want to be, I would say, the majority of the time, because I really only pick courses that I'm working with people in areas that I am interested in, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm working with, uh, well, to give you an example, I do a course with Marion. And Marion came over. She's an ex-girlfriend of mine. She she got a transpersonal psychology, psychiatry type degree certificate and wanted to do, found her, her true love and her life from, <laughs> from when she left me to now is like night and day. Like she's just got it all together. It's just wonderful, right? And we've been able to, to keep our friendship, which is very unusual for me. And... Uh, but she wanted to do, so I told her about this. She wanted to do a relationship course for women. And I said, great. So we filmed it. And it was the second course that I ever did. And it's really probably the worst course that I've ever did. Uh, and I had nothing to do. I'm not on it at all. It's all her, right? So we've reviewed what's happened with that course. We've reviewed what we've learned. We've, you know, we've talked about different things and, and what we've, and also the important thing is what do we want? Like I, what she wants from, doing this and what I want from doing this and make sure we're all congruent and we've had the experience. So, I mean, you know, if you're just starting out, do a really bad course, it doesn't matter. Like just get it over with and then go and do a really good course. If you know, mm-hmm. cause we, you learn so much by the doing, you, you know, you can listen to us all day long, but until you put that camera in and then you realize, you know, there's a light here that goes all the way around there. And you got to do something about this light that's over here. That's not working. And then you realize, the light you got on this side is pointing in the wrong direction. So it's all in chat. I mean, you figure all these things out and then you get better and better and better. Right. And what, you know, what microphone you want to use. I'm using this one today, but I had a different one earlier in the day. You know, beauty. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on this today. And you're on. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you play around with all of this stuff and if you don't do it, you don't, find out and ask the right questions and figure it out. So we sat down and we said, you know what, we're going to redo this course and it's going to be her and I, she's got the outline, what she wants to talk about. And we aim for an hour. And the reason we aim for an hour is that's a reasonable length of time, in my opinion, for a course. My mm-hmm. podcasting course is seven and a half. Uh, actually it's yeah, seven and a half or eight hours now. I didn't mean it to be that way. It just sort of happened and that's going to, those sort of things are going to happen. It's not a problem, except that it's eight and a half hours long. Who's going to watch it, right? So you want to do these courses, hour, hour and a half, two hours. Then you want to add, you know, every month or two, stuff like that, and engage your students. And that's kind of the way it works. So <clears throat> we're going to be doing a Google Hangout because I really like the way the screens shift back and forth. And we're going to discuss it. And we're just going to have a, here's one man, here's one woman. We're going to talk about this stuff. And who knows what's going to happen because we'll have our outline, we'll have our notes, but she's going to say something that's going to trigger me or I'm going to say something that's going to trigger her. 
and we're going to have an amazing uh, course when we're done. And I think that the that interaction and the, the two, it's the same with podcasting. Like I really have a hard time with a monologue. I probably would be fine if I did it two or three times, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to. I want to talk to Tim. Mm. That's why I shut up and I don't say stuff every once in a while. So he can talk, right? Because it's important. Yeah, this is, yeah, I mean, this is this is probably the way that I'm going to do all my future, well, whether, because I've got to do monologues at the moment because I can't find enough guests for my show because I don't know whether my show is too niche. But uh, so, I, so I've got to get on there and, and, and prattle and I suppose I've always got what's, something to What's say. your niche? Well, it's 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 creating online courses is my is my niche. So so I support twelve thousand Udemy instructors that just can't wait to get on your show, Tim. I keep on putting my hand up saying I want I want I want guests and, and they never get back to me. I, no, I, I'm okay. teaching my Udemy. I got I got to give you a little bit of coaching. Can I give you a little bit of coaching? Absolutely. Never ever ever ask anyone. Ask a group of people for a volunteer. Okay. In New York, in the late 70s or 80s, this woman was raped and killed, and she was raped at least twice. And there was thousand people up in the apartments and everywhere else looking and watching. And so they said, how could you, like, just watch and not do something? And they couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. So it's finally some psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. They went in and they started interviewing people and they started testing. And what they discovered was everybody thought somebody else had called 911. They could not imagine that nobody had. So the takeaway from that is if you're in an emergency, doesn't matter what, any type of an emergency, you don't say, you say help, fire, whatever, get their attention. And then you say, you call 911 right now. You go get some water. You, and you just point to someone and direct. So if she did, if she'd have had that break between the first and second rapes, looked up, saw somebody and said, call 911 right now, they would have. But no one could conceive that they hadn't. So when you're asking for volunteers and, you know, in, in, in some group, or, you know, whether it's a forum or whatever, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's got lots of people. So here's the way I do it. I find people that are really interesting, that I really like, and someone like like Mark Timberlake or uh, Bob Marks come to mind. Both of them mm. I've interviewed. I've asked, asked Bob, Bob, you're coming on my show, man. Yeah, and, and you just send him a little message, say, you know, really like this stuff that you're doing, really like this course that you're going, and I'm doing a blab, and it's going out every week to, you know, Thousands and thousands and thousands of people mm. putting it on Twitter, putting it on my site and everything else would love to have you on my show. Be about half an hour. I I mean, I lie like crazy. I'll tell you. OK, I know that when I get Mark on my show, he'll go for an hour and without even me saying anything more than hi, Mark. OK, so but I won't tell him an hour because he'll think, oh, man, you know, if I'm on there for an hour, like, then I don't have time, but I'll just, you know, it's 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, and he'll say, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, right? And then I just tell him, you know, make sure you don't have anything scheduled, like, right after, because we need to kind of debrief or whatever. And so then we just go, and you just, you end up with, and I think 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes is what I aim for in my podcast mm. to be serious for a second. And the reason that I aim for that was AOL did a study 10 years ago 
And they found that people, so just imagine how much less time it is now, but people on electronic devices in those days, computers, uh, desktops, were interrupted on average 20, every 20 minutes. So if you had your closing from minutes uh, 22 to 30, chances are they were interrupted, gone, never heard it. So mm. you, you, you want to get some of your, your advertising in the beginning and then tell people, you know, come back for the stuff at the end because that's the way it was. I imagine it's probably closer to 10 minutes now. But mm. the other side of that is the average commute in, the, in North America is 20 minutes to 40 minutes. So you can watch one show or two shows or listen mm. to you know, but don't drive and watch. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can, yeah. <laughs> do a podcast, right? For Yeah, I could just see, you know, the, the DVD screen will be right on the, the driving thing and we'll have our podcast and our blabs going directly into it. Right. It's hard. Get your eyes on the road. No, we've had, we've had some, some more people join as, as we've been talking. So I just want to repeat the way that we're going, we're actually doing this podcast is that we're doing interview style initially, but if you do want to ask a question, put a slash Q, ask your question. And if it's on topic, we will include it into the interview at the end time permitting, we will open up a seat for anybody who wants to jump on, and we will also answer general questions. And right at the end, if you, if you hang around, we will be offering some special deals on some very expensive courses. So there's um, two questions. Can I answer them both quickly? You can. Have you used Camtasia to create an online course? Not Camtasia. I use ScreenFlow because I'm on a Mac. So the answer really is yes. And Tim already answered that yes. I didn't see that. Would you use Blab for an online course? Uh, yes and no. I would not use it for the meat of the course. So the meat of the course to me is your introduction section and one or two sections afterwards, which are how to do whatever it is you're teaching. And then there's a conclusion section. So I have really three sections to a course. One is the beginning, one is the end, and one is the middle. And the middle, I like to have two parts too. It's just the way I am. Now, once I'm done that, I like to have another section. And that section is uh, bonus lectures or um, there's different, I, let's just use bonus lectures. That's the easiest one, the one I just last used. In there, I would use that for, blab, I would put blabs in there for sure. I would say, you know what, if we're do, if Tim and I are doing a blab or I got two more people, because I think you'd want to have, uh, I'm not sure if I could cut, I could cut this all out into a nice look. I don't, I don't like the black that's down here. Uh, that's just me right now, and it's square. So I mean, it's another thing. It's widescreen on them. On the, just, just got on the on the replay. You will well if you if you get the video like the MP4, it will actually just be the two of us, not the black. Oh, okay, all right, and, perfect. And, and, and then yeah. if it just drops. If it just drops to one, say say if there's only one seat open, it's you and the whole square. So it so it so it does it does oh. adjust okay. on the okay. MP3. I don't know if it adjusts on the replay here though. Right. Okay. Good. So what I would, what I have done, and, and Mark is the one that comes to mind right off the hop, is he was the first person I asked to talk about. I think it was Google Plus or Google Local or something that I felt was relevant for podcasters. Would be in Google Plus communities, and so I had him on. We talked for half an hour. I put that video into my bonus section. It was longer than the twenty minutes Udemy wants, but it's okay because it's not. The course, it's the bonus material, which is like blew my mind that they would even accept that, right? Uh, so that's what I would do is I would say, if I, this is what I'm doing, right? I'm approaching a bunch of different people to do podcasts. And the way I do my podcast is, is 
hangout. Blabbing will be the new way that I do them. Mm -hmm. I'll be alternating between the two, depending. And then I take that video and if it's relevant or I take parts of the video that's relevant to my power podcasting course and I put it in there, I take other parts of it and it ends up on YouTube. Like this is not automatically on YouTube. The Google Hangouts are automatically on YouTube. So that's great. And then I will take the audio out and I will put it on my podcast. So basically I get three. And if I was smart, I would have someone transcribe it and have four modalities, reading, listening, watching. And then it's watched on two places, YouTube, which is like number one video place in the whole world, and Udemy, where I want to give more support to my to my customers, my students. I think Udemy really takes a lot of that, puts a lot of value on adding stuff to your course on an ongoing basis. So that's, uh, that's my process for creating content for my course and creating content for my podcast and creating content for YouTube. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I want to come back on to, to, um, to talk. There's just a couple more questions I want to, I want to fire past you. Um, translation. Do you have, wow. have you had your courses? Translated? I have my courses in Spanish and in German. Okay. So, so the process there, uh, when, we, when we're talking about joint, like, like creating courses with other people, you like I don't speak German very well. Ich spreche Deutsch nur ein bisschen, yeah. So, Bitte. <laughs> I and and Spanish and 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 French and everything else is, is way out of my league. But yeah, I know you, all the Spanish and German that I know. <laughs> so, we come back. We come back to that question when I asked you, saying like, somebody gives you a whole heap of content and says, put that into a course structure and present it for me. Is that the way that you go about getting your courses translated? You say, here's my course. How does it translate? Did I just do a no, voice you just over? Caught me. You just made me look really bad, Tim, because what I said I don't want to do, I get other people to do. I have two Udemy instructors. One speaks German, one speaks Spanish. And I'm not telling you, we made the mistake, Mark, and I was saying who they were, and everyone tried to take them away. Uh, and so I just basically say, here's the course. I create a course and I make them a co-instructor and everything is on the course. And then they somehow figure out how to get the video down and do the closed captions and get it back up or put the closed captions. I don't know how they do it. I have no clue. In fact, I want to actually sit down with both of them and do a course on how to do that because I have no idea how they do it. And so they're not particularly fast because they've got all sorts of other things going on but they did the course. And so you could say that, yeah, when you see the writing along the bottom, that's their contribution. When you see the Spanish transcriptions, that's their, and you you see, it also depends on where you're at or like, because Udemy needs multilingual courses. They're desperate for them, right? Mm -hmm. I am desperate for someone who speaks Portuguese fluently and English fluently to, do one of my so there I'm asking I mean, raise your hand if you know Portuguese and you want to work with me on translating courses because I've got a whole bunch that I want to translate into Portuguese and Spanish and German but I have people working on those two so uh, I really so the yes it's I just say to them it's a three way split if or a two way split depending on how many and it, and the other person has always said well yeah, of course like you know give them it's it actually 
unless they've changed it, it used to be Udemy 50, and then it was 16, 16, and 17, or 16, 17, and 17, I guess, to make 50%. It doesn't work out. You can't go point anything. So we had a big fight over who got the extra point because I wanted to give it to the translator. The translator did not want it, and the other instructor wanted to give it to the translator, so I think we eventually gave it to the translator. Okay, so basically the translation is is, is closed caption. We're not We're not getting... Other language voiceover and, and getting really messy. They're, no. they're, not, they're not scripting what they audio. Said and... They like the sound of my voice, and they also both said that most people are not. They're they may not be fluent in English, but they understand. So they had a totally different look at it than me. I thought, blah 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 blah, blah in another language, and they were like, no 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 no. You your excitement, everything comes through on your tone. Which when you think about it. Our words are a small percentage of our communication, our tone, our excitement, our body language are a lot more of it. So they wanted to keep that. And they said most people, and this is their group, so, you know, they could be totally wrong, but I went with what they said, is most people understand a little bit of English or a lot of English. And so what the text does is it just reinforces what they thought you said, as opposed to them reading the whole thing, which is what I thought they would do which is mm. what I do when I'm watching closed caption because I have no clue what anybody is saying in another language, right? Unless yeah. it's French, and even then it's not very good. So um, that's the problem of living in a place like North America where everybody speaks this one language as opposed to Europe where you've got all this exposure to, I wish mm. I'd lived you know, in Europe for five years and I'd picked up all these different languages, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we work it. And, and would it have been smarter just to hire somebody? And well, you could make that argument. I would say no, because I get a question in Spanish and German and the translator gives, says, well, they asked this, what's the answer? And I give the translator the answer and they put it in. And I, <clears throat> I did go in and I copied, use Google translate to find out what the question was. And then I gave an answer, use Google translate I put the answer in and I got immediate feedback from my translator. Scott, when you give an answer, send it to me. <laughs> Don't use Google Translate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess you could sort of understand, but it was like grade one Spanish and wasn't very professional. Mm. Oh, I, I, I like that. I like that way because then having the translator, they've got skin in the game. They've got, they've got interest in the course. They're going to be part of it. And, and obviously they're getting a percentage. So, Yes, it's in their best interest too to make everybody happy. The final question I want to I want to ask in regard to this is that: Do you do any market research, like like any any viability studies, before you start partnering up with other people on all these different topics? Or you no? Know, so so say if if some if somebody comes to you and says, "I know how to make sourdough bread," Mark Timberlake. I've got no idea what so no, no sourdough bread is either, but I hear no, it's are a you delicious going? bread. It is very good. I love sourdough bread. Cool. So somebody says to you, "I've got this really my my grandmother's recipe and 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 blah, blah, I want I want to make a course on how to make sourdough bread." Now, do you go awesome, wonderful? Let's get in, get the curriculum, and get it and get it pumping, or do you spend some time just doing some research and actually seeing whether there's actually a market? No. No. And if you'd asked me about sourdough bread, I would have said good luck uh, and been totally wrong because she's making a fortune. Uh, the, I think the way I see you, Demi, there are certain areas that are really hot and do really good. And there are other areas that mm, not so much, <clears throat> but I could be wrong. 
And so uh, the, most of the time when, so here the sourdough bread thing, there's a bakery on every corner. Like people love bread. It's a huge market. Now, will they learn to make their own sourdough bread? I don't know. You know, if there's 5 billion people that love bread, I'm sure there's a couple, you know, 100,000 that would like to do their own bread making. Uh, you know, and that's kind of, the, and so that's, that's kind of part of it, right? Like relationship. Well, it's a massive industry. Weight loss, massive industry. Techie stuff, massive industry. So, you know, scrapboarding or scrapbooking, massive industry. So, you know, it's pretty hard not to, I mean, you can, if you have a course and there's no sales, that's a different problem than the industry that you're in. Like my relationship course, terrible sales, but there's a, there's, you know, so maybe that is not a great niche for Udemy today, but maybe it's a great niche for Udemy next month. Udemy knows how to market and what happens in Marketing 101 is you start here at zero and you go along and then the next thing you know, you have huge, huge growth and then you plateau and then you go down. So the trick is, is when you plateau is do something so that you start another marketing curve. Well, it's not going to be long. Maybe it'll take two years. And the whole, I call it how to program Javlet applets on an Apache server using a Linux machine, you know, in outer space at the space station, like super techie stuff that I think, in my opinion, they're very, very popular and very, very successful with, are going to plateau. And they've got joint venture venture capital money or whatever that's going to say, hey, dudes, you're plateauing. Like, uh, that doesn't work with us. You need to grow. So at that point, they're going to be looking at the sourdough bread lady or the salsa dancing course that, you know, the salsa dancing course doesn't do very much now. The salsa the sourdough lady does. And they say, well, we're going to push that stuff because and we know how to on Facebook and the targeting and everything else, because we need that extra growth. So there's working for today. There's also working for tomorrow. And the other side of that is if you do a sourdough bread one, then you do cinnamon bun bread one, and then you do blueberry muffin bun one, and then you do a hamburger bun one. And all, the, all of a sudden you've created this category in Udemy that's really easy for them to drive traffic to. So one's course is a massive, massive mistake. If you're going to do sushi, how to make sushi, you do an hour of how to make really good California rolls. And then you do another course, how to make uh, BC rolls. They have them on our menu here and I eat them. I like them. How do you make salmon sushi and how do you make tuna sushi? And, and you have five or 10 of them and you do your own bit to get people in. Right. Because you need mm. to have thousands of students for this whole thing to work and lots of five star reviews or four star reviews. Then I think Udemy sort of says, well, look at all this stuff. We could it's a whole new market. We could bring all those people in and then they'll learn about podcasting and this and that or whatever salsa dancing or whatever else. Right. We're bringing this whole new group of people in. So I think right now is a great time to 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 look longer term and say, you know what? If I had 15 how to make cinnamon bun courses types out there, where am I going to be in two or three years? Mm. Now, you might be where you are now and it could be a total flop or you might have five or $10,000 coming in every month where you just, you know, you 
sign into Udemy every couple of days and answer questions and sign out and you're kind of done, right? I mean, who knows? It's the it's just like who knew Apple would be big in 1970, whatever it was they started. You don't know. But exactly. the other side of it is like my podcasting co-instructor said, took two hours, Scott. Made mm. me a hundred bucks the first month. Mm. You know, if I do 10, that's thousand dollars a month. Exactly. Well, that's you know, that's, that's the, the point. That's that's the way it works. That's, that is the, that's why you don't want to do a seven hour course, folks like mm. me. Because right? <laughs> you know, because it takes a lot longer than seven hours to, to make. But yeah. you make an hour, you, you have a really good course, make an hour. And the other thing is let's just get into you talked about the marketing part and whether what marketing research. This is marketing research. You do a course, I do a course on on relationship, I sell five bucks in three months. I do a course on podcasting. I sell 5,000 bucks in three months. Now, what do I do? I do more podcasting courses. Mm. It's, mm. That's my market research. Well, how long did it take to do the two courses? Well, it took me three hours to do this course. took me three hours to do that course. Uh, not a lot of time. So let's say I pay myself 100 bucks an hour or 500 bucks an hour. It's 1,500 bucks here, 1,500 bucks here. Uh, you know, that's really still not significant amount of money when you think about it, right? And it's only my time. It's not like I actually had to fork that money out. So you put a course up ah, and I didn't really work that good. You put another course up. Oh, that works really good. You spend time with that area. And then this course, maybe after a while, things change and it starts to pick up. Well, then you spend a little more time on that area. And if you've got five different topic areas, you know pretty quickly which one's going to go. But I think you should go with what brought you. Podcasting is what brought me here. I do all of my courses for podcasters. Even if you're not a podcaster, you could take the course and get a lot out of it. I, I'm a firm believer, and this is the last thing I want to say on this, you sharpen your tools. And if you've got a really sharp axe, it's the point of the axe that gets you into the tree to chop the tree down. So internet marketing is a sledgehammer. It's, it's not going to work for you. Podcasting is, you know, there's only... I think 14 podcasting courses and I don't know, 350 internet marketing courses or 4,000 internet marketing courses. So where are you going to be noticed? Where are you going to be able to create your tribe the easiest? Where are you going to have the least amount of competition? Well, it's going to be podcasting next week because all these people have been listening to this and I can see I'm creating huge, massive competition for myself. But, you know, whatever it is that you're into, start there and then roll everything off of that. Mm. I'm big and saying like going back to my training with you know, with Alex Jeffries, and I, I say this a lot because I think it's very important as as course creators or even product creators is one problem, one solution. Stay on target, stay stay focused, and if you if, if you work on the one you know, the one problem, one solution per course or per product, then it's easy to stay within that one to one and a half hour uh, time frame and deliver really really good solid content that is that, that, that is focused because early day like and, and you did and Udemy is on to this too now in early days people used to waffle and like it, there might be a seven eight hour course and it was waffle 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 and now and now on keep on topic get your get your information across and get off camera just just deliver deliver and as Johnny Burns said on a previous blab if you can create a three minute course to show somebody to do something that's ideal. Like, I don't know whether somebody would be happy to, you know, to spend 
$99. Like if some, like, like if somebody could teach me in three minutes how to generate $5,000 a month, I'd spend 99 bucks on that, you know? So it's, it's just a matter of just cutting through, you know, all that, all, all that noise and delivering something. Scott, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on my very, very first Blab podcast. And I, I don't know this. No, this video pod, podcasting is very different. I've had to brush my teeth, have a shave, and do my hair, and be very well, conscious about my in my in my clothes and the shower. Yeah, everything. I couldn't I couldn't jump on. But no, no whereas before I could come back from gym and jump on the mic, and it wasn't a problem. Been absolutely great. How can people find out more about you? Um. Oh, good question. Uh, Powerpodcasters dot com is probably the easiest uh, the easiest thing to remember. And um, and if you go to Udemy, search on my name or search for Power Podcasting, and then you'll be able to go to my profile. And there's, um, I you know, I've, I've got Facebook groups on podcasting. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, all those places. Would be delighted to connect with you. I, I've got an overwhelm going on on Twitter. So it's not usually a good idea to tweet me any messages because it just gets lost in the volume of stuff that goes on there. I'm sure I don't know a quarter of what happens on my Twitter feed, uh, but Facebook is a really good way. And uh, powerpodcasters.com is another way. Scott at powerpodcasters.com. And uh, yeah. Now you also, like as we said at the top of the show, you're also going to offer a couple of your very expensive courses for a great deal. And I can vouch for both of these courses because I'm a student in both and they have helped me uh, immensely in my very short, I think I've been going as a podcaster for, for three months. But, um, yeah, podcasting is obviously like if you're an online instructor, it is a way to get out there to get your courses. Like, so if you are a topic expert, it's a way to get you yourself in front of an audience very, very quickly because there's, I don't know, about 250 billion blogs, but there's only about, there's, there's less than 300,000 podcasts. Yes. So you can you can really you know, establish yourself and get yourself in front of an audience very quickly. So um, Scott said he's going to, to drop some links into the comments for the people who are on the uh, on the Blab session now, and I'll also drop those links into the show notes the show notes for this show, this show isn't going to go uh, onto my regular podcast channel until Sunday, but uh, those, the, no, the links will be there and the and the show will be found at ecoursedomination.com forward slash 22. I'll open up now for questions. I'll even open up this, this seat here. Uh, it, no, we've probably got no 15, it depends on how much time uh, Scott's got. I've actually got to get to... To, I've got to leave here in about 45 minutes, but I'm happy to hang around and have a chat. I'm also going to drop some uh, some links into the the you know, the chat if I can work out how to cut and paste on this Mac. Like you no, know, Scott was saying, who'd know you no know, 10 years ago that that Apple was going to be big? Well, who, who who would know 10 years ago that Tim Cooper would be sitting in front of a Mac? I'm a PC and Android dude, but um, yeah, my PC doesn't have the power to to, to blab or or do Hangouts. So uh, well, I yeah. I just want to talk about the two courses. One is my basic power podcasting course, which is everything you need to know in order to get up and running. And I also give you access to my plat my podcasting platform, which is free. Uh, and the course is free for anyone that's listening in. Uh, I wanted to give it as a gift to everybody. 
The second course that I did with Mark Mawinney was on growing your audience. And the whole idea of that was making sure that you had really good guests and were a really good guest on other people's shows and podcasts. So what happens is, is you get that kind of Napoleon Hill rub and some of that tribe that these people bring is going to stick with you and going to enjoy working with you as well. So I put that link in as well, and it's free. So for listeners and watchers of uh, Tim's show, if that's not incentive for you to come and watch, I don't know what is. So, Okay. I don't think we've got any, any, any questions coming on, and nobody wants to jump in the hot seat for us. So, Scott, thank you once again. It's been a wealth of of knowledge it's been it's been fantastic having you on my very first video blab podcast episode so okay. thank you once again thanks for having me tim i'm delighted to uh, to be here well i hope you found that interview entertaining and educational as much as i did it was great fun talking with scott once again, the show notes for this show can be found at ecoursedomination.com forward slash 22. That's the numbers two and two. And there will be also be links to those nice offers that Scott gave us for his courses, which I highly recommend. They are two brilliant courses. And also some other information, some links and resources there at those show notes at ecoursedomination.com forward slash 22. I say this all the time. I want to bring content that you want. I want to be answering the questions. I want to be covering the topics you're interested in. If there is a particular instructor that you would like me to interview, if there's a particular question you would like me to answer, please send me an email at asktim at ecoursedomination.com. That's asktim at ecoursedomination.com and I'll be more than happy to help you out. Once again, I do honestly appreciate you taking your time to listen to my podcast. I know we live in a busy world and I know that you have lots of options and other things you can be doing. So taking your time to listen to me means a lot and I really do hope that I am bringing you value. If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider popping over to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and leaving me a rating and review. Not only does it bring a smile to my face, it also lets me know whether I am giving you the information that you need and it helps the show get found so that we can help more people. Thank you very much once again and until next time, take care. Yeah.